Today on Semi-Intellectual Musings. I talk about sunshine and golfing, while Phil tries to stay warm and digest all that holiday food. We think back on 2017, the good, the bad, and the awkward moments that made headlines. We'll try to stay on the road and not get too emotional, while we thank all our podcasting pals. This is Semi-Intellectual Musings, 2017, Year in Review. Woman, woman, tell me your name. Hey, man, how's it going? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm doing quite well. You know, minus 25, minus 30 weather, uh, all bundled up inside. Can't complain, man. Can't complain. <laughs> well, yeah, you certainly could, but uh, no one's going to I think I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are you, and uh, what's your weather like? Uh, I am in the balmy desert. It's uh, a perfect, like during the day, it's a perfect, like, 23 degrees. Um like with a soft sun, uh, came down here on Boxing Day. Uh, Mel's family has uh, a second home here, like a snowbird home. And yeah. uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I'm, uh, so it's just outside of Phoenix. It's this place called Mesa. Um, and this uh, housing development that they live in, half of the people here are Canadians and then the other half are residents. So it's kind of, a, it's kind of like a second Canadian like kind of spot. So it's really yeah. fun. Um, we uh we did some christmas stuff um a lot of chilling um a lot of drinks and uh yeah it's uh it's been a really kind of good trip uh i went and played a couple of rounds of golf which i know you'll nice. be a little bit jealous about <laughs> of course um, yeah yeah and they have this uh they have this golf course um within the housing community um so the first nine is uh you know challenging the back nine's pretty easy i i shot a 6 over which i'm pretty happy with cuz i was using my nice. father-in-law's these are my father-in-law's like junker clubs, right? So I'm <laughs> kind of proud of myself. And then my brother-in-law, Jared, and I went out and played around together on like a real, real nice course. It's a Fred Couples designed course out in uh, about 40 minutes away. Um, but bro, hands down, the most difficult course I've ever played. It really? was punishing. Like they, every single hole had at least seven or eight sand traps on it. Wow. I hit, and, I uh, probably hit like 10 sand. I shot a six over, man, and I'm really proud nice. of that. That is yeah, it's, um, pretty good. It was cool, too. Like The whole course was loaded with college players, U.S. college players. Um, you can tell from their bags and their, their outfits and stuff. Um, and I think they're having like a tournament there in, uh, in a week or so. Um, so it was kind of fun to see uh, how I did on like a course that is like you know like PGA caliber. Um, and I'm proud to say I shot a six over there as well. But it was tough. And oh, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, man! I shot the the I hit a shot of my life uh, when I played that round. Um, I was about a hundred yards out on a par five, so third shot, um, and I sculled it like I hit it thin, like off the bottom of the club, and it shoots out like a rocket when you do that, right? Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a blind hole, so I was just watching. I'm like, oh no, that's gonna be terrible. And then here, clink. So I'm like, oh man, that hit the flag. Uh, so I go up, and usually when that happens, it just shoots off to the right or the left or something, and you know it's not too bad. So I go up, and there's this ball on the sprinkler head just off the green, and I see it, and it's like a pinnacle. I'm like, oh, that's not mine. I'm like, oh, I better go check the hole. Go over, boom, fucking hold it from 100 yards out, man. What? <laughs> yeah, so it, it, so it hit the flag and just dropped straight down? Dropped straight in, yeah. Wow, that never happens. Yeah. That's, so I well, shot a, never. It, obviously, it happens once in a while. but Once in rare. a while, but it's almost... 
it's almost more fluky than a hole in one in that right. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wow. got a uh, eagle on a par five. That was the third hole, and then uh, yeah, I was just I was knocking in pars. I was uh, I had birdie chances and stuff, but um, so like this was a very difficult course. But I scored really well with clubs that are not my own, and um, yeah, and I think I'm revisiting my idea of becoming a golf pro man. I think I'm going to make that my 2018 resolution not this year but i'm going to do all the things i need to do to prepare myself for 2019 and uh doing the playing test so i'm pretty excited man yeah yeah that's a that's an awful lot of time outside uh but uh you view it as a wellness practice as well don't you yeah totally like it destroys me afterwards like physically but i'm also while i'm doing it um having the time of my life like I probably said like three times, even on this punishing course, like three times, I'm like, I love golf. I love yeah. golf. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and then later today, we're actually going to Legoland, which I'm nice. really excited about. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. Say hi yeah. to uh, Lego Batman for me. Okay, for sure. I'll take some pictures of uh, some selfies of me and uh, Lego Batman. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been doing, man. A lot of chill and a lot of family time. Um, but how about yourself, man? How's your, uh, your holiday? Uh, holiday's gone. Holidays have been uh, successive days of eating and drinking, Matt. Um, Like, you know, wake up in the morning, have a light breakfast, because I know that from around 1 p.m. to around 1 a.m., I'm just going to be eating and eating and eating. It's been fantastic. Uh, First time in a long time that I remember taking two weeks uh, almost completely off to spend with family uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, yes, it's been super cold, but, uh, you know, when you get, uh, when you get, when you get cooking, you know, get the oven going, get some, uh, get some raclette, uh, it warms the place up, you know? <laughs> and have uh, you had your, uh, tortilla yet? We, I have not made tortilla yet. Uh, I think that's going to be, you know, maybe a February thing on a nice, crisp, cold February day. I'll, I'll start making one of those. The thing is, it's so time consuming. Like it takes like two days, right? So first day you got to cut all your vegetables and you got to make your uh, pastry and then it has to sit in the fridge for a night. And then the next day you got to cook it for like six hours. It's like a two day commitment. Um, And, uh, you know, when you make it, you don't make it small, you make it big and it feeds like 12. So I'm not going to make that just for Mel and I. Uh, What I did make uh, the other day was a huge batch of vegetarian chili. Um, you know, I love that kind of stuff when it's super cold out spaghetti sauces, uh, or chilies. So Tartia is going to come and, uh, hopefully maybe you'll be back in Ottawa and you can come and have some of it, uh, when it's fresh out of the oven. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've already invited myself over. So perfect. guarantee I'll uh, brave the weather. So when exactly are you back? Um, I'm back on Friday, uh, but late night, um, I'm going to be traveling, connecting through Toronto. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, so it's, uh, I don't know how that connection is going to go because I heard that, uh, the rest of the world, not Arizona has been just yeah. slammed by uh, yeah. snow or at least North America. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. um, speaking of Pearson which, uh, canceled some uh, flights there. Yeah. It did. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I might be jumping on a Greyhound there, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking okay. forward to getting back, man. I've been away for like a, a full month. You have so been away I'm, for a full month. Uh, yeah. I'm looking um, forward to my own bed and my own shower, but, uh. I heard you had a little bit of an adventure in the snow, man. Would you like to tell the listeners what happened there? I did. I ended uh, 2017 on a, um, you know, they call them fender benders, but in my case, it was uh, fender be gone. 
you know, trying to make a left-hand turn, um, didn't see on the oncoming car and uh, clipped me, uh, and the entire front of the car is gone now. It's That's just crazy, like, man. Uh, hanging off. Uh, you know, I think the two headlights were hanging on by a thread. Um, yeah, I mean, no from the pictures hurt. you, sorry, from the pictures you sent, I thought you, it like, I thought you ran into a lamppost or something, man. I was yeah. like really scared for you. Yeah. Uh, no one got hurt, which is okay. good. Uh, car is just the car. It's a material object. Uh, you know, obviously I have insurance, so insurance is going to cover probably all of it. Uh, you know, thinking uh, worst case scenario, the car's a write-off. It's a 2009 blue book evaluation of it puts it at around five grand. So if, uh, you know, the repairs cost more than five grand, how insurance companies do it is they write it off and they give you blue book value minus tax. Uh, so, you know, uh, I could be looking at, um, having to purchase a new vehicle in early 2018. Again, that could be a positive. So I'm not going to be negative about it, Matt. I'm not going to, you know, be all doom and gloom. Uh, no one got hurt. It's just the car. Uh, now they gave me a, the shop that I brought the car to gave me a little Corolla to put around in. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of crappy compared to my car, but you know, I got wheels. That's what matters. That's I got wheels matters. and a microphone. No one can stop me, Matt. <laughs> no one can stop well, me. Well, that's nice and positive. Um, would you like to, uh, I kind of developed a new segment, uh, that is way more negative than that. Would you like to, uh, would you like to play a new game with me, bud? Well, before we play the new game, I'm going to welcome everyone <laughs> to the show. Oh. Uh, this is semi-intellectual musings. My name is Philip Primo and I'm Matt Sanderson. This is, uh, if you're new here, this is a podcast that looks at social sciences, humanities, and arts. Uh, we've done it since April, 2017. Today is a year in review. Uh, and later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about some of the good, some of the bad, some of the ugly, some of the stuff that has been in the news in 2017. Um, and if you're new here, uh, or if you're returning, thank you so much for checking us out. Um, one of the things that we've been doing since April is uh, playing this game called friend or foe. Now we've announced um, on the podcast that there's going to be some format changes in the new year. Um, now, one of those format changes is the game that we play now, Matt, um, I think it's time that we, you know, take it out for a stroll, see how this new format is going to, is going to, this new game is going to play out. What do you think? Should we do it? Yeah, I think it's going to be fun, man. I'm really excited yeah. about this for a couple now, of uh, cynical guys. It should be pretty good. <laughs> now this is Matt's creation. Yeah. had nothing to do with the creation of this game. Uh, so Matt, walk us through what the, uh, what the premise is and, uh, try one out. Yeah, so um, rather than doing a friend or foe, because sometimes those turn a little bit too positive for our cynicalness, um, I have <laughs> developed this new game called uh, What Do I Hate More? So we're mm -hmm. going to debate the negative merits of two awful things. So I, I'm pretty excited about this. Are you excited? I'm very excited to hear all the negativity, Matt. Uh, <laughs> you know, but again, I'm being positive about the negative here. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so... Philip, what do you hate yeah. more? Do you hate stubbing your toe more than sitting down awkwardly on the armrest of a love seat, like Ugh. right ass cheek on a corner of a two by four? So, Philip, what do you hate more? Butt cheek uh, injuries from a love seat or uh, stubbed toes from walking around early in the morning? Okay, Matt, uh, those are two awful things. Uh, so, 
I don't know about you, but I have a bed that has these legs that kind of stick out just a little bit too much. And because I'm getting old, uh, and as an old man, I got to wake up, you know, in the middle of the night to, you know, use the potty. Right. And almost every week, once a week, I walk back to bed, fumbling around, boom, stab my, you know, stub that darn little toe. And it's always the extremities, either the small one or the big one. Right. Um, but, but I know what's going to happen. Like I'm prepared for it. I know at some point I'm going to stub one of my toes and then like it hurts, but because I'm getting old circulation is, you know, whatever. So it hurts for like 30 seconds and then it goes away and you just feel like an idiot. But if I'm somewhere and I go to sit down and I'm not expecting to sit down on that armrest or that hidden two by four that's in a couch, man, that, that pain sticks with you. Like that's like a couple hour pain when you do that. So I'm going to say sitting down on a, a hard part of the love seat or a couch is worse. Like I hate that more. Yeah. Cause it's so unexpected, you know? And like, yeah. as you say, you're expecting to stub your toe and as a couple of old timers who wake up in the middle of the night to go pee um, or like Captain Concussion over here who wakes up at 4am for no reason whatsoever. Um, I've been, I've gotten used to like suppressing the, the swear words that will come out from stubbing my toe. But from sitting on the, the armrest of like a love seat, um, I'm just like, ah, why? Yeah. And then yeah, like why? later in the day, you're like, oh, it's still achy because you know, we're getting old. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I think, uh, I think I hate that more. So I hate love seats, especially the armrests. <laughs> oh, for sure. And then there's the other sort of uh, thing that happens on couches sometimes is when you go to sit down and then you smack your head against the, the wall or the back of the couch because mm-hmm. like it just has an awkward backing to it. It's either too small or too high. Yeah. You know, totally. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. No, I've uh, done that. Uh, surprise, surprise. I've done that at least twice. So <laughs> a couple yeah. of my 25 concussions are at least from that, uh, from the wall being too close to the back of the uh, couch for sure. So, are we um, up to 25 now, huh? I am, and actually, Jeez. probably 26, man. I uh, wow. I banged my head here here in Phoenix, like I was going into the beer uh, fridge for a beer, and I stood up and smacked the back of my head against the freezer door um, that was closed. So, um, yeah, I've uh, I've gotten like two, uh, four or five concussions this year. So, 2017 has been super duper. Yeah, it sounds like it. But, you know, the, the, the thing, Matt, is uh, your brain is an organ, right? Are we able to transplant it like a liver? Like, could I give you my brain? Uh, kind of like face off, eh? Like brain off. Yeah. Could we do that? Is that possible? Do we have I the don't think you want to uh, see my reality there, bro. So, no? like, I will take your brain because it's all supple and full of information and yep. uh, articulate. Yep. But, yep. Uh, yep. yeah, you don't want, you don't want uh, what I got rocking over here, man. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I think we're going to continue these. I like these. What do you hate more? I can already think of some other ones to compare. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, on today's show, uh, it, we have an awesome show, uh, in line for everyone. Uh, you know, this is going to be our year end, uh, recap, but we also have some great music. So we're going to take a short break and leave you with some music from Slammerkin, a sister duo out of Toronto, and their track, I Am So Evil.
pretty sweet like i love the the tempo changes in there it's very experimental um and you say they're they're canadian they're from toronto they are from toronto uh two sisters lisa and sam they are called slammer king you can find them on facebook at slammer kingdom they have a website slammerking.com that's s-l-a-m-m-e-r-k-i-n.com uh check them out on soundcloud soundcloud.com forward slash slammer kingdom uh, they also are on Twitter at Slammer Kingdom. They have an Instagram. They have all that stuff. It's electronic, lo-fi, pop, moon hop. It's just, it's great stuff. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's really hard to find uh, bands that are so eclectic. Um, and these guys just pick it up in all the right ways. Um, they are lovers of ElfQuest. Great kind of comic book series. So they provide the musical vision for ElfQuest. Uh, which is kind of cool, you know. You That's don't, you don't, really cool. you don't get a lot of bands that do something like that. Awesome. So, Matt, we're going to start talking about our year in the review. Um, Twenty seventeen has had some ups and downs, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, an understatement of the year, right it's there, an, Phil. <laughs> it's an understatement. Uh, you know, what's one of the things that you remember from twenty seventeen? Oh, um, honestly, obviously, Donald Trump. Like it's just been the year of Trump. 
Like, uh, I thought it was supposed to be, like, the year of the dog or something, but it's the year of the Trump. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's... Uh, it's tough to uh, to see uh, what's coming out of uh, of the United States right now. Um, something that has really um, resonated, or not resonated, I suppose, but really uh, hit home for for myself is his uh, his renegotiation of NAFTA. Um, yeah. My wife works for a politician in Ottawa um, who is actually the international trade critic. Um, so <laughs> when he starts breaking up NAFTA and stepping out of it, it's uh, it really you know, it throws a monkey wrench into both of our country's uh, fiscal policies. I know, like, yep. for one example, uh, Michigan, um, the governor there is um, is kind of up in arms over uh, over these actions by Trump. He um, is, uh, you see in Michigan and you see in some other states, especially the border states, um, who have a lot of trade with Canada, um, even though Trump is threatening to pull out of NAFTA, the individual states are like, okay, then we're just going to have to do our own trade deals with Canada because they recognize that um, our relationship is so important. Um, the federal on the federal level with Trump seems like he doesn't seem to understand international trade or global economics. So that is one thing that really jumped out for me when it comes to Donald Trump. Yeah, and you know when you talk about Trump, uh, you talk about international trade. There's also this whole like Paris climate thing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and it's part of, I think, what conservative agendas have been in uh, the last I don't know, known history, right? Which is like um, defunding uh, large governments. Uh, and we see it with Trump with defunding the civil service, um, particularly diplomatic service as well, right? So is it surprising? Nah, not really. He's following the kind of conservative script of how to do politics. But, you know, what is kind of been surprising with Trump is uh, just the sheer force at which he does it. You know, the he doesn't care. The, 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 this administration just doesn't really um, see roadblocks as uh, things that they should care about. They just, you know, truck on, keep trucking on. That's what they're doing. And it's hurting a lot of people. Yeah, totally. And it's also, I believe, I feel like it's hurting um, America's... Uh, reputation on the international stage. Um, Absolutely. I have a, I believe it's a um, Washington Post or New York Times article. Uh, we'll we'll link to it on in the show notes. Um, but it's from November 7th, and it's about uh, Syria actually joining the Paris Climate Accord, leaving yeah. America as the only country that has not uh, ratified the agreement. Um, so that is one thing. I also remember when he dropped the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan, uh, just because he wanted to, just to test it out. Like, let's just drop that out there. It's like the largest non-nuclear explosion in human history. And yeah. he just sort of flung it out there, probably because he was getting some heat for something else that he said on Twitter. So you see, um, like, it, it's interesting with Trump. He's such um, an individualist. He's such a narcissist that uh, when he sees any sort of agreement that doesn't fit his view of the world, he just hammers at it. Um, and the same thing with the diplomatic service, when we see tensions rising with North Korea, and then on the other hand, he is undermining the, the foreign service of America, um, the only possible non-military option for North Korea, that is actually pretty damn scary. So I've spent 2017, when it comes to Trump, just holding my breath and terrified that some 
crazy nuclear war is going to break out. And that that's scary. So you heard it here first from Matt Sanderson. America, get your shit together and impeach this guy. He is dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about nuclear weapons and this sort of thing, but something that is down to earth on the streets in 2017 and was in the news, uh, Charlottesville. So the rise of the alt-right, or at least the, you know, coming out of the woodwork uh, in response to perceived threats uh, of progressives, outsiders, I guess, you know, this word alt-left, which uh, I'm not quite sure exactly where it comes from. Um, But I think, you know, if there's one moment uh, above and beyond the other kind of craziness that the Trump administration has uh, gotten behind has been uh, this alt-right, which manifested itself in Charlottesville. Yeah, and it seems like they're getting behind it because literally those are the only people who are now supporting him is just the crazy radicals, and um, they're violent as well. I mean, it was kind of funny to see them with their tiki torches that they all bought at Walmart, um, but that's pretty much where the laughter ended. Um, yeah, yeah, I am. It makes me sick to my stomach, and personally, like I don't like me, Matt. I don't believe in an absolute stance on free speech. I think. Um, I think there should be hate speech legislation in that country because if there isn't, then you just have, you know, you just have these movements rising up, right? And you're right, it's um, it's a response to um, changing tides. Like the world is finally getting a little bit more progressive. Um, and then as soon as it does, you see these assholes who just want to go and uh, be racist. So um, in my opinion, um, that needs to stop as well. People need to start being arrested. Um, and I'm actually in full support of punching Nazis as well. I'm going to say that right now. Like, yeah. Nazis deserve to be punched. You know, it it reminds me a lot of what was happening in the 90s, um, you know, in the U.S., but internationally as well, when you have retrenchment of social securities and when you have the taking away of certain privileges in which um, the underclass and the working class have benefited, um, there starts to be a lot of anger that's being brewed, Right. Um, and I think we're coming to, uh, an apex of that again. So, mm. you know, I was, uh, I was looking through, you know, I'm plugged into music, you know, I'm kind of a musical guy. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the bands that I really enjoyed in the 1990s, Rage Against the Machine, uh, right. picked up on that, uh, ethos, right. And, you know, power to the people, uh, stand up to these forces of evil, and, uh, you know, recently Prophets of Rage, which is formed by three of the members of Rage Against the Machine, Saint, uh, Zach De La Rocha, have come out with a new album and have, you know, in their, in their sites uh, of their protest songs uh, is the Trump administration, is the alt-right, is a lot of these factions that are creating, you know, quite hard times for folks to live. Um, you know, it's hard enough being a person of color, for example, and I could never imagine what it's like. Um, but then having, you know, these alt-right groups, having an administration that sees you less than having these policies, um, that retrench your rights, uh, is difficult. So it's not an easy time. 2017 was not easy for anyone. And I just tack on, uh, an extra point to that. It's really interesting that you brought up the mid nineties, man, and Rage Against the Machine, because they were power to, to the people but the alt-right is also trying to embolden their people. And I think mm-hmm. that's the dangerous thing. It's the polemics that are forming where you are, there's no more of a middle ground in terms of politics. You're either on one end of the spectrum or on the other end of the spectrum. And I also think it's fascinating that you brought up the mid-90s because 
I remember that pretty clearly of, uh, it was the era of political correctness, right? And as these sort of progressives are trying to change the language so that they can be more inclusive, um, people who maybe would call themselves conservative really dug their heels in and really pushed back against that. Now, that was just sort of so-called language policing, but what we're seeing now is definitely um, a ratcheting up of the violence, and I think it is yeah. absolutely terrifying. And let's not and forget there that piece of shit drew, drove his car into the crowd of people in Charlottesville as well. Yeah, yeah, that was quite awful. And, you know, the last thing I'm going to say about it is uh, it's not easy um, for anyone right now, but it isn't easy for anyone who situates themselves roughly on the left of the political spectrum either. Um, in the 90s, uh, you could come out against globalization and uh, find a echo chamber uh, of quite a mass of people. Um, you know, the detriments of globalization, the detriments of global flows of goods, capital and people. Uh, and then today we see an administration that uh, in the United States that is basically protectionist, that is basically picking up on that message saying, no, nah, we don't need to trade globally. So if you're progressive, uh, if you're left of the spectrum, where do you situate vis-a-vis that? Do you align with an administration that is racist, misogynist, uh, Islamophobic um, because of their ideals around protectionism and trade? Or do you say, no, I'm going to reject them uh, based on other things? So, you know, it's one of the, you know, for as much bad and ugly as there was around politics in 2017, I think there is, you know, a feeling of uh, awkwardness that comes out of it. And uh, maybe an apropos time to take stock of where we stand. Um, and maybe that involves some ethical questions, maybe some moral questions. Um, but there's change a coming as the song says. (laughs) And, you know, I think the power of the internet, we saw it with the Arab spring and I think you're seeing it. Mm. We saw it this year as well, where, um, people are no longer willing to be silenced and willing to be, you know, within their echo chambers. So, um, I, I was wondering, can you talk about the hashtag and um, hashtag me too? Yeah, so 2017 saw the rise of the supposed Weinstein effect. Um, USA Today wrote that 2017 was the year in which sexual harassment became a fireable offense, Matt. Um, supposedly That's it insane. wasn't before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, for anyone who was living under a rock uh, in 2017, most prominently, um, you know, there's Harvey Weinstein, but then also actor Kevin Spacey, comedian Louis C.K., and filmmaker Brent Ratner had projects cancelled following at least six allegations apiece of sexual harassment. Over 300 women accused filmmaker James Toback of sexual harassment, uh, extended well beyond celebrities in movies and TV and journalism. Allegations led to the ousting of editors, publishers, executives, and hosts, including high-profile television figures such as Charlie Rose, Mark Halperin, and Matt Lahr, uh, perhaps most... um, Famously, the Matt Lahr kind of revelations um, in politics, uh, accusations of varying degrees of severity were made against politicians such as John Conyers, Al Franken, Roy Moore, uh, you know, Roy Moore, again, who is supported uh, by Trump, but then not supported, but kind of supported, but then helped, but then not helped. Uh, straight uh, up. Uh, I'm just going to say straight up. Roy Moore is a sexual predator and uh, I'd call him a pedophile, actually, because yeah. he would prey on teenage girls. Yeah. Just ugly stuff. Uh, Celebrity chefs Mario Batali and John Besh and uh, some financial and public relations executives were also uh, removed from posts following allegations of sexual harassment. Uh, 
and aggression. Now, following that, the hashtag MeToo, and there's some local alternatives, uh, but generally it's the hashtag MeToo, uh, spread virally as um, it was used on social media uh, around October of 2017 to denounce sexual assault and harassment in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations against film producer Harvey Weinstein. So the phrase, uh, which was long used in the sense by social activists, uh, Tarana Burke was popularized by actress Elisa Milano, who encouraged women to tweet it to publicize experiences to demonstrate the widespread nature of misogynistic behavior. So since then, the phrase has been posted online millions of times, often with an accompanying personal story of sexual harassment or assault. The initial response on Twitter included high-profile posts from several celebrities, uh, several celebrities, including Reese Witherspoon, Rosario Dawson, Viola Davis, Anna Paquin, Lady Gaga, Sheryl Crow, Bjork, Sarah Hyland, Molly Ringwald, Ellen DeGeneres. Um, you know, the stories of sexual harassment um, came to the fold in 2017, came to the public eye, but these things have been going on for many, 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 many years. Yes, and it's we're fortunate that we live in a time where um, we have technologies that allow people to publicize our stories, but we also... It's been sad to me that uh, you hear sometimes from men um, that, well, if this was such a big deal, why didn't they talk about it earlier? Which is a complete misunderstanding of the dynamics of assault and sexual assault. Um, I also, some of those names that you rattled off really surprised me, man. Charlie Rose was like an interview hero of mine. Mario Batali was my favorite chef, like my Mm. favorite celebrity chef. Um, I also... It's one of my more proud um, posts on her fan page, Um, but Susan Kent from This Hour is 22 Minutes, a hilarious uh, woman, um, had one of the best sort of takes that I saw on it. Um, It was sort of a little bit funny, but also really jarring. Um, So I I actually recommend uh, the listeners to go check out our fan page and watch that video. It it deserves to be seen. Um, But I mean... Yeah, it's just like, what can you say about sexual assault other than it's fucking evil and that we need to support yeah. the victims? So, yeah. Um, I and was, and I'll say one thing too, um, I just popped in my head, but I remember hearing Al Franken's um, like dismissal yeah. speech, I guess you would call it, when he was leaving office after these allegations. He was able to somehow turn it around into an attack against Roy Moore and Donald Trump. Who, um, saying something to the effect of it's ironic that these sexual predators are in office and then I'm bowing out. And then he sort of, in that way, downplayed his um, form of sexual violence that, that he was doing. Right, he was grabbing right. women's asses and stuff, right? So, yeah, in that picture, yeah. yeah. Um, y- you know, I think there is an element of truth to what uh, Franken had to say. Um you know, he left, uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to excuse what he did. Um, I don't think anybody should excuse what he did. Neither should he. Uh, but you know, how can the president of the United States say what he did, uh, on the, uh, you know, grab him by the whatever, right? Like, I think that's, there's, there's certain lines. And I think when you're a public figure, you have to remain well within, um, your barometer, of acceptability. And when you even come close to line, I think your integrity, uh, your ethical stance, your ability to govern needs to be questioned. And in the current climate, it is being questioned, uh, but no actions are being taken. So hopefully let's put a positive spin on this. Hopefully in 2018, uh, will be the year in which action, real action 
can happen. Um, you know, now that we know that we can talk about it, we know that for those who want to talk about it, there are platforms. And, um, you know, the, my, my last little thing is, how about we not uh, shame those who don't want to talk about it? Let's let's go into 2018 saying, if you want to talk about it, you can. But if you don't, that's okay too. Yes. Take your time. It's it's not it's not on us to decide um, when victims need to stand up. And uh, to tack on, yes, that's a very good point, Phil. And to tack on to that, um, a lot of these uh, um, assaults are um, settled out of court, um, especially by the rich and powerful, because they can afford the lawyers to do so. Um, so I feel like uh, we need to stop saying allegedly when it's absolutely proven even yeah. if it is an out-of-court settlement. If a woman has settled out of court and then 10 years later, let's say, she decides to go public with it, I think she's well within her right to do that. And I don't give a shit what the legal um, ramifications are. We need to support those people and um, and really out, um, out these uh, sexual predators that apparently are all over the goddamn place. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. We started off our year in review on a little bit of a negative note, Matt, by talking about bit. the bad and the ugly. How about we turn our tides, uh, and that will make sense in a second, to uh, science, science discovery. And we don't talk about it much on this show because we focus on social science, humanities, and arts. But mm -hmm. let's talk about some what they call hard science, some natural science. Matt, um, huge advances for CRISPR in 2017. What is yes. CRISPR? So I heard about CRISPR maybe two years ago on, um, believe it or not, a podcast. Uh, so CRISPR is essentially a um, genetic modification technology that um, splices out uh, bits of uh, problematic DNA in, um, in any living animal, any living being, um, and then replaces it with um, a manufactured uh, piece of RNA. So essentially what CRISPR... Uh, does is make um, genetic modification more efficient and more effective and more cost effective as well. So I feel like CRISPR is going to be the breakthrough in science, not just medical science, the breakthrough in science for the next 40 to 50 years. You heard yeah. it here first. Yeah. Um, it's going to have ramifications across medicine, whether it's uh, helping to treat people with dementia and Alzheimer's, cerebral palsy or cystic fibrosis, um, it also has huge applications in the agricultural industry, um, making crops uh, more productive. More, like, so it's yeah. gen genetically modified, but um, you're not doing it in a crude way where you're you know, splicing together some salmon DNA with a tomato to make it grow bigger. Um, it's a lot right. more focused, and um, hopefully it will make it uh, more healthy. Um, anything to do with yogurt, for example, or any bacterial use in uh, in industry, um, it's it's going to have far-reaching implications. We're just seeing it now. It's still in the experimental stages, but there has been a few human um, um, applications, um, including somebody, I believe it was in California, who had um, a rare genetic condition, and he needed a skin graft. It was a child. And uh, through CRISPR, they're able to make his body accept the new skin graft. So... I'm really, on a personal note, I'm really hopeful for this technology. It uh, it might be the answer to the the longer term neurodegeneration that I am kind of facing right now. So, yeah. and, got my uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> you know, CRISPR is also going to be a uh, hallmark uh, legal precedent setting uh, kind of thing, phenomena. Uh, you know, if they can sort out the patent 
behind it. If these two universities who are at war over the patent uh, right. can, you know, lay down their arms and work for the better good of humanity. Uh, yes, I've been watching Star Trek, Matt. <laughs> you know, I think uh, they can make some progress on it, but right now it's kind of stuck in this legal whirlwind and that tends to happen in developments of uh, hard science and natural science. You know, things need to be patented. They need to make money. So if someone uh, can come along and sort that out, it would be great for all of us. Um, heard it here first, sort out CRISPR legal issues, folks. Just get it yeah. done. Yeah. So, cause the sake of humanity is, is at play here and, Sure, make your money, but also stop pissing around, man, and let's start developing this technology because it's gonna, it is revolutionary. So l- something else happened in 2017. Uh, you know, CRISPR looked to the future, uh, but scientists were still looking to the past, Matt, and uh, we have found evidence that humans were in North America more than 100,000 years earlier than previously believed. So what they did was they took uh, some bones and some tools that they found in California in 1992 and they used a uranium dating technology uh, to date it to around 130,000 years old. Uh, now, the discovery was controversial uh, because there had previously been consensus between paleontologists and anthropologists that humans came to North America around 15,000 years ago. That's so, right, yeah. like, this is a huge discovery. Uh, I think we're going to hear more and more about it. But, Matt, uh, we could be a lot older than we previously thought here in North America. Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting because the debate in archaeology is the Bering uh, Land Bridge, the ice bridge that uh, up around Alaska and, and Siberia. That's right. Um, versus the um, idea, like, so basically in archaeology, you had a split. Um, a vast majority of people adhere to the Bering uh, Land Bridge um, hypothesis. And um, basically there was like a middle passage that was between, like on the east side of the Rockies, so between British Columbia and Alberta, and then they made their way down to, um, you know, America and South America from there. Now, what I always adhered to is a combination effect where people would jump in uh, kayaks, essentially, and uh, work their way um, around uh, and down North America via coastal routes. So it's actually not at all surprising to me that some of the early humans uh, in North America were found in California um, right. because uh, Homo erectus made it all the way to Australia, uh, and they had to use boats for that. And uh, humans also got to Australia, I think, between 80 and 100,000 years ago. So if they were going down south, why wouldn't they go north and then down south as well? So um, technologically, that's not surprising to me at all. But uh, the date is actually pretty surprising, for sure. Now, we can extend even further past the 130,000-year Mark, in 2017, researchers announced that they had found the oldest evidence of life on Earth in Canada. So uh, twice this happened. So in March, an international team of scientists reported that rocks in northern Quebec uh, contained some sort of iron oxide uh, that was likely made 3.8 billion years ago. And then later in the year, in September, a Japanese-led team found that they uh, found some other rocks in uh, Labrador that contained graphite. Um, and some forms of living organism uh, that they dated to 3.95 billion years old. Um, wow. You know, so that so the latest discovery in September is just over half a billion years after the Earth is thought to have been formed, about 4.5 billion years ago. These things are old, man. And you know, some people are going to say, "Well, why why do we keep looking back? 
Like what's the, what's the purpose of this? But every discovery uh, of something like this that goes back further, uh, that dates something older, allows us to better model what's happening right now and what can happen in the next 50, 100,000, 10,000 years. So the more artifacts and the more knowledge that we have about what's happened in the past here on Earth can help us model and predict and uh, basically forecast what can happen in the future. So this research is important. Uh, and again, 2017 marked a huge year for discoveries uh, of really old stuff. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we won't talk about aliens, but there's a huge uh, disclosure there of uh, alien stuff. So maybe for a future episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is the science. That is the the huge deep history that we share on earth but what about uh what about the massive sears uh department store closings across canada my friend <laughs> matt one of the canadian stories that made 2017 headlines 131 sears canada stores now closed uh liquidation uh, has begun uh, has stopped in some of the stores at this point the collapse of sears canada marked a key moment in the real in the retail sector of 2017 the once mighty retail giant filed for Predator Protection in June, sold off some locations and decided to liquidate the rest of its stores, leaving some 15,000 employees out of work. Uh, consumers, on our part, we were left fuming after the company said it would not honor warranties after October 18th. So all those uh, snowblowers, uh, leaf blowers, uh, I don't know, lawnmowers, uh, oh, yeah, espresso appliances. machines, yeah. appliances that you bought, no more warranties. Um, now, it was uh, reported that some Canadians uh, discovered price hikes on certain products uh, before liquidation uh, started. So that caused, you know, some, some, some problems. Uh, and a Toronto job judge uh, approved a hardship fund uh, to help some former employees uh, in financial difficulty after losing their jobs. We're talking 15,000 jobs, uh, most of those part-time, most of those precarious work. Uh, but a lot of those, uh, you know, older workers who won't be able to integrate the retail market anew. So huge loss for Canada. Uh, not only in the retail sector, but also like on a humane level, like, you know, 15,000 people. It's a lot of lives affected, a lot of families affected. A lot of families, man, because like when you think of a number like 15,000 employees uh, times that by like four. So that's uh, 60,000 individuals within families, you know. So yeah, right. and it's, it's tough, too, because Sears was uh, working at Sears was a pretty solid job. You know, I I went down it there. Was, uh, over, point, yeah. yeah, I went down there over the Christmas break just to kind of see it you know I, I didn't buy anything but i just i just wanted to walk through the store man it looked like uh the day after tomorrow it looked like the apocalypse or something just happened in there it was just like ransacked and really sad like you just seeing the looks on the employees faces knowing that the end is near it's uh it's sad and sears was always um such an institution in this country and um i know the the sears robot cal uh, catalog was a big deal uh, connecting rural communities uh, yeah. to the consumer market. My dad, who's from the Okanagan in British Columbia, it's a very small town that he's from, um, he would always look forward to getting that catalog in like October, picking out his Christmas gifts and then driving up to Penticton uh, and picking them up. So, yeah. um, you know, I believe like the hockey sweater, that famous picture book, uh, I believe they ordered that through like a Sears catalog of some yep, sort. Yep, but, yep, uh, yep. you know, it's a, it's a real institution in this country. And, uh, so from a cultural, social perspective, it's significant loss, but then on a much more significant real level, uh, a lot of families are, uh, are missing paychecks this, this holiday season. So our, um, our thoughts are out with you all. Now, 
speaking of missing paychecks, Matt, 2017 was yet another year in which the Federal Public Service pay system called Phoenix uh, had troubles. Uh, So a lot of federal public servants yet again had missing paychecks, or maybe they got paid too much, or maybe they had to pay back what they got paid too much in 2016, or maybe they didn't retire when they should have, or in one case was dead, but wasn't. Uh, some very funny stories coming out of that, but at the heart of it isn't funny, is Not that uh, the institution of working uh, for the federal government, which used to carry a form of prestige and a form of security, has been lost with this pay system. Yeah, it's now tenuous, right? Like, uh, it's uh, like my wife, who, uh, as I mentioned before, works for a politician for the Parliament of Canada, um, and she's on maternity leave. Uh, it was really kind of touch and go at the beginning, and they you know, when they introduced this um, pay system, they did so without proper um, test runs. They just introduced it across the entire public service. And as should have been expected, there were some glitches. And when they introduced the pay system, they also fired all the pay and benefits people, not all of them, but like a big chunk of them. So now that we have this huge snafu of Phoenix, uh, we don't actually have the... um, the, uh, you know, the employees uh, in pay and equity who could uh, correct the system. So you're phoning into a call center waiting on hold for like 45 minutes, and then you're talking to some American who has no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> so yeah. it's a real it's a real uh, screw-up. Um, my sister-in-law, she works for the, um, as a 911 dispatcher, and uh, she also has a, a mortgage on a condo. Um, and she was missing paychecks all over the place. And, yeah, yeah. you know, when you have a mortgage to pay, you can't really miss a couple of those payments. So nope, they want the um, money. Fortunately, I, I don't know if this was for sure, but I'm, I imagine her parents, uh, help bridge that gap, but there's a lot of people who, uh, do not have that sort of, uh, network of support around them. Uh, so yeah, it's just really, yeah. yeah. It's or just the, really or, you know, up, some of the stories that came out in 2017, uh, was that those networks of support uh, were run dry as well. You know, yes. so, uh, you know, it's hard enough to build a reserve uh, that can uh, sustain no money uh, for a few months, uh, you know, with savings and uh, credit cards, uh, maybe a line of credit, uh, tapping into family members, you know, resources. Uh, but for some folks, uh, it's been like a whole year that they haven't seen a stable paycheck coming out of uh, their full-time employment. Uh, so that is a problem that we're facing, but Matt, one person who did get paid in 2017 and made headlines, Omar Qadar. So the settlement yep. of, uh, between the government of Canada and, uh, Qadar. So the government argued that it was an unavoidable and difficult lesson in what happens when Canada flagrantly violates the rights of its citizens, but a $10.5 million payout to former Guantanamo Bay inmate Omar Qadar was nevertheless greeted by public outrage. So the conservatives who are in opposition argued that in spite of two Supreme Court rulings that determined that the government had indeed violated Qadar's rights, there was no need to pay him any settlement money. His repatriation to Canada was compensation enough. The liberals who are currently in power shot back, saying that the inevitable court battle would have cost taxpayers even more. So Canadians themselves seem to side with the Tories, the opposition party. Uh, 71% in a poll said that Trudeau's government made the wrong call. Qadar said he was just wanted to get back to living his life. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know the story, Omar Qadar was a child soldier. Uh, he was picked up uh, by the Canadian government um, 
put into Guantanamo Bay, uh, tortured by the U.S. government, um, brought back to Canada, uh, and you know entered a long, long court battle to get compensation for the violations of his human rights. He was a child when these events happened. He was a Canadian citizen that was in a U.S. institution. All kinds of problems uh, from both sides. You know, I think in this case, the government did the right thing. They need to compensate him. They need to close the chapter, start the reconciliation process, move on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I was actually surprised that at that number, 71% are opposed to this. Um, yeah, no, if you, don't, if you don't settle these sorts of matters, they fester, right? And, um, and what they did to Omar Khadr was wrong. They, they, he was like 14 years old. He was in a house. Some U.S. soldier chucked a grenade in there. He picked it up and threw it back, which anybody would do. Yeah. Um, and he killed, I believe it was a medic yeah. um, with with that. But I mean, like, damn, that's self-defense, man. And he can't help the fact that he's from Afghanistan. Um, I have I have a lot yeah. of friends from Afghanistan, bro. And uh, it's a lot more complicated than yeah. that guy being a quote-unquote child soldier. I don't even think he was. And then he got tortured for like 15 years. <laughs> so, yeah. um, But kudos to the uh, lawyers in Edmonton who have fought hard to get him back to Canada and also were probably responsible for this uh, settlement as well. Yeah. Uh, Matt, we're going to take a very short break to enjoy a little bit of music. Uh, Again, from Slammerkin. You can reach them on their Facebook at Slammer Kingdom. Uh, their website, www.slammerkin.com. You can check them out on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Slammer Kingdom. They're on Twitter at Slammer Kingdom. Uh, they have Instagram, all this kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to listen to another one of their tracks and uh, we're going to come back with some other Canadian headline news.
Welcome back, everyone. Matt, Canada celebrated a birthday in 2017. Uh, you know, some people call it young, some people call it old, but uh, Canada turned 150 in 2017. Yay. <laughs> yay, yeah, hesitation and then yay. Uh, <laughs> like true Canadians, man. <laughs> like true Canadians. Be happy, but uh, say sorry somewhere. Now, uh, peppered across the country were these uh, events put on by the federal government, provincial governments, uh, cities, uh, you know, just folks getting together, celebrating 150. Uh, now, but you went or you almost went to one of the first events of the year. What happened? Yeah, I was with, uh, I was with uh, past guest, Evan, um, and we were, it was early January uh, for the Red Bull Crushed Ice downhill skating like thing. Yeah. I don't even know what to call it. It's in, like a kind of a new sport, um, but we were going to go down and then we were watching on TV and seeing how bundled up people were. It was like minus 25 with wind. And we're just like, mm, let's just drink the scotch in the comfort of my apartment and we can just watch this <laughs> shit on let's TV. Just, let's, let's just stay in. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of, honestly, that was one of the coolest things I've seen in Canada. I was like, I can't believe we had something so awesome like that. Um, I know, I'm not sure how it went down, but I know national parks are supposed to be free this year. Um, they were, There's yeah. been... A very variety of celebrations like that um, hockey uh, museum exhibit that uh, I went to and we did an episode on. That was yep. part of the Canada 150 celebrations. So um, all in all, it was a, it was a fun year for, for celebrating, but it also didn't feel as um, real as uh, what my parents described uh, 1967 being right. like the Canadian centennial. Um, my, my mom and her whole family did a cross-country road trip all the way to the Maritimes and back um, to celebrate the centennial. This year, it seems like a lot of the celebrations were localized. Um, and uh, I'm going to say it, but corporatized. Uh, so it didn't feel as like genuine as it could have been, right. in my opinion. Yeah. Now, we also uh, you also went to Mosaic 150? Yes, and that was uh, part of the 150 uh, events, uh, again, free for everyone. And that's Absolutely. one that I hope that they bring back next year. I hope this is like a yearly installment because that, uh, that thing was truly spectacular. Yeah, that blew my mind, bro. Like, I was so happy I went to that. And that was the other one that uh, I was like, yeah, we needed more of, more of this stuff. But uh, yeah, it was spectacular. I took a whole bunch of pictures and we did a little, uh, I believe, a little patio session on that one as well. We did, yeah. Um, so I was very fortunate to go to that. And that was just in Gatineau, just across the uh, the river there in Quebec. So that was really cool, yeah. That was spectacular for sure. And um, my daughter, Violet, was born July 12th. Uh, so my yeah. family, my, my immediate family and, and Mel's uh, parents came out to uh, to witness the birth and uh, and celebrate uh, Canada's 150 Um so for my mom and her, um, her actual, actually her brother, uh, my uncle Ted, uh, he came out with his partner. So they were almost recreating the trip they made in 1967. Nice. Uh, so nice. that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> my uncle Ted brought, bought an RV and uh, yeah, broke down like twice. <laughs> so yeah. That was yeah. kind of brutal. But uh, but no, it was really fun. They they were able to go on a very very rainy day. Um, down to Parliament buildings and uh, and take in the the spectacle because that is one thing. Canada Day in Ottawa is off the chains. Like it's it's a real big celebration, and we don't really have those huge kind of celebrations in Canada too often. So 
that was nice to see. And I will note about the Canada Day celebrations on Parliament Hill specifically, um, they had uh, like indigenous electronic music, which I didn't even know existed. Uh, they had a throat singer, which was really cool, an Inuit throat singer, a Cree um, dancer. There was a raven dance. It was They foregrounded indigeneity yep. in a really respectful way, I thought. And it also, rather than showing a bunch of uh, First Nations people with, um, you know, like feathers in their hair and bullshit, like cliches like that, it was, uh, they did a really good job of showing like this is modern indigeneity. Right. And uh, I will take my hat off to... Uh, uh, Melanie Jolie, uh, the Minister of Heritage, I believe it is, and uh, uh, she did well there. But uh, they also built a little a little hockey rink there in uh, in Ottawa just recently. So Phil, why don't you tell them about that? Yeah, well, you know, Men- Melanie Jolie, uh, Minister of uh, Heritage Canada, has been in the news all year. Uh, so you know, praised for some of the things that she did around Canada Day, but then not so much around. Uh, a $4.3 million hockey rink that they built in honor of Canada 150 on Parliament Hill. Now, the idea of it is good. It's sound. Build a hockey rink with boards and glass uh, right in front of Parliament Hill and have it there from December onward to allow folks to go and enjoy some hockey and some skating. Now, the problem was that whenever you get bureaucracies involved, there's bound to be rules and regulations, and that is exactly what happened, and people were furious. So you couldn't actually play hockey on it during regular operating hours. You couldn't play tag. You couldn't skate quickly. You had to wear a helmet. Maybe you had to hold hands, and probably you had to get in a very long, single-filed line and wait very quietly with your Tim Hortons coffee. Um, (laughs) Now, part of the $4.3 million price tag uh, was 32 teams, junior, uh, both male and female teams were brought uh, on the dime, uh, lodged uh, and paid for their flights, accommodations, all that kind of stuff to participate in a hockey tournament. Now here's the other wrinkle about Canadian winters. Uh, It was minus 30 in Ottawa. (laughs) So that tournament got canceled and they had to move it inside and the rink uh, was kind of left empty for a little while. Now, luckily, uh, Melanie Jolie and the Ministry of Heritage Canada decided to extend the amount of time that the rink will stay up. So it's going uh, probably into February. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are pissed off about it, Matt. <laughs> and like Ottawa is blessed by having the Ottawa Canal, which they turn into a 15 kilometer long skating rink. That's right. Um, that uh, I personally used to skate to school and back, which is pretty cool. Um, like, that is that is like I think a World Heritage site or or something, but yeah. it's uh, it's probably the best thing to do in Ottawa in the winter. So um, it's kind of ironic that right at the end of the canal, it terminates right down by Parliament Hill. You look yeah. over and you just see this boondoggle with the uh, hockey boards. Um, so yeah. so there you go. Yeah. That's that's Canadian politics for you. But uh, I know they had an outdoor NHL game as well where the. Uh, the CFL uh, team plays, and apparently that was quite the success. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, um, but, I mean, that's Canadians being critical of themselves, right? Um, but, yeah, that that skating rink on Parliament Hill is a real boondoggle <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it kind of was. Uh, yeah. Now, speaking of hockey, speaking of sports, uh, 2017 was a year in which uh, we had some sport news, but, you know, uh, Matt, when Matt and I were putting this, this episode together, we kind of went... 
were there that many sport news or was it the politics of sports that was in the news? Uh, exactly. So Matt, uh, we've talked about it before, but one of the headliners uh, throughout 2017 has been uh, Colin Kaepernick. Yes, absolutely. Um, we talked about it on the uh, crossover show that we did with the Skip and Josh podcast. Um, and like, there's not much more to be said. I mean, I honestly think that it's uh, there's a great deal of collusion going on right now to keep him out yeah. of the NFL. And um, but that's not surprising coming from the NFL. Like those players don't have guaranteed contracts. You can be fired at any point. Um, it's some of the most tenuous professional sports employment out there, which is kind of seems like a contradiction, but it is the case. Um, if you get injured yeah. in the NFL, they can just drop you. That's why they had such an issue with concussions. Um, they would, if you got had a history of concussions, um, they and you got another one, they would just be like, yeah. There goes your yeah, contract. Right. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you can totally see that this is collusion. Um, the story that I actually kind of wanted to talk about, which I think is pretty interesting, um, not many people know this, but there are not one, but two professional women's hockey leagues That's in right. North America. Yeah. There is the Canadian Women's Hockey League, the CWHL, and uh, as you can imagine, it just has Canadian teams. And then there is the National Women's Hockey uh, League. Um, now there is, it's interesting because because there is the two leagues, they um, have like halved their the amount of exposure and fans and money that they could um, deliver to players. Um, so when it comes to collusion, it's kind of interesting that um, the heads of both leagues are really resisting merging them, but all the players and all the fans and anybody who cares about women's athletics know that that is what needs to happen to make that league a success. So you have Haley Wickenheiser, who is uh, like kind of like the female Wayne Gretzky for Canada. Um, and then you also have Cassie Campbell, who is uh, now like former multiple Olympic gold medalist and now uh, an analyst on TV. Um, they both are calling for this merger to happen, but they both are saying um, that is the personalities. And it's almost turned into a bit of a pissing match <laughs> yeah. about this. So um, disappointing, clear example of collusion, but... Uh, my fingers are crossed for 2018 that those leagues will merge because um, I really I think it's long overdue that we have female professional sports and hockey is a great place to start. Yeah, and you know the uh, female professional hockey that was being played in Montreal uh, was of a high high caliber. Like they could play, and uh, you know just saying that, having to say that, uh, I think underlines and reveals a little bit about the politics of sport and gender. Uh, especially, uh, you know, around sports like hockey. Um, you know, they they had a hard time getting fans to come out. They had a hard time getting uh, sponsorships, that kind of stuff. Um, so I wish them all the best. I hope that there are platforms for professional women's hockey in Canada, specifically in the States. Uh, but, you know, why, you know, in, in this day and age, we could just open it up international. We could have an international women's hockey league and, uh, you know, maybe pave the way seeing some young, fresh talent that we've never heard of before. Yeah, and I think they're, um, I, I think I remember the, reading this correctly, but there's like two teams in China in one of the leagues. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of weird. But uh, so it's funny how like we need to grow women's athletics, women's professional athletics, but then also like putting two teams in China, that does not make any sense. So right. we'll, well, uh, we'll we see how this teams, plays out. 
We need some teams in, in between, maybe, you know? Yeah, maybe. Like, Stop over in Switzerland. Alaska or something. Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure, why not? Go to Alaska, um, go to Switzerland, uh, you yeah. know, uh, a couple days in Italy, and then uh, cross over into China. You know, it's a little road trip. Not too bad. Yeah, just a little road trip around the world. Road. But yeah, um, sure. these fun. are, unfortunately, man, these are the sacrifices that um, women athletes have to make. Um, I, I kind of misspoke. Um, there are other women's professional leagues, um, uh, football or soccer being one of them. Um, but as I mentioned on that Skip and Josh crossover, um, like the Vancouver Whitecaps and the, uh, I, th- I think they're called, I think they're called the Breakers, the women's team. The breakers would always have to play at four o'clock and then the white caps, the men's team would play at seven o'clock. Right. So you see in small examples like that, and you know, they make a fraction of what the men make. Um, you see a, a systemic um, downgrading of women's athletics. And I think it's high time that changes because like, I, I don't say like, Oh, they're just as good as the men or, or like, oh, it's just as exciting. No, just watch women's sports for what it is, and it's awesome, and I've never been not entertained. Yeah. So I'm a huge supporter of women's athletics, and I think it's time that we start compensating them fairly. Agreed. Moving from sports on to art, Matt, 2017 uh, was a huge year, again, for some can-lit stories. Uh, one of the first ones, and I'm not going to talk too much about these individually because I'm going to invite everyone to seek them out and research them uh, on their own. Uh, but the first one that I want to talk about, Matt, is the Meets the author Sherry Demelin's book, The Morrow Thieves, uh, which won the Governor General's Literary Award for Young People's Literature. It is a daring win for a daring Indigenous foray into the world of science fiction and a story that posits a thought-provoking idea, that we've lost the ability to dream. So ironically, uh, a little while ago, a book uh, from an author like this uh, you know, writing about science fiction uh, in an alien genre, so to speak, uh, would seem to be out of science fiction itself. Uh, but uh, 2017 marked the year in which this happened. Another story in Can Lit, one of Canada's premier novelists found himself in a bit of a quagmire. Uh, Just a little bit. <laughs> after an APTN report questioned the legitimacy of his First Nation ancestry. And of course, uh, I'm talking about... Uh, Joseph Boyden. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those who don't know, APTN is the Aboriginal People's Television Network, and they're more than just a TV channel. They are a wider media kind of center, and it's it's quite um, it's quite cutting edge. I, I really got a lot of respect for them. So just a bit of a side Absolutely. note there, but yeah. um, I find out, it if if you yeah. have one thing to check oh, out on sorry. APTN uh, would be Mohawk Girls. Phenomenal oh, seriously? Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Absolutely great. Yeah. I'm all over it, bro. <laughs> um, so it, I do find it kind of ironic that uh, Boyd and, and uh, was embroiled in this controversy because he is one of our um, premier authors, right? Like premier right, yeah. literary figures. Yeah. Um, but he got in trouble for um, manufacturing some level of his indigeneity. Yes. But then on the other hand, the Governor General Award which is the um, the National Literary Prize in Canada, uh, was awarded to a Métis author, um, perhaps for the first time, uh, I, I imagine so. Um, so I find that a little bit ironic, for sure. Yeah. You know, Ken Lit this year has been, um, all not all, but there has been some level of controversy. Uh, there's also the cultural appropriation controversy that happened. Um, so, you know... Uh, 
Oh, right. Literature yeah. in Canada yeah, is a dynamic living beast. It, uh, you know, it's not all old Atwood books. Uh, so, you know, if anything, 2017 was a year in which we, uh, again, were reminded of the great uh, literature works uh, that are coming out of uh, Canadian and Indigenous First Nation Métis uh, authors. Yes. And I hope this is, uh, I hope this is not just some token win uh, that they threw over to a Métis person. I, I hope this sparks the interest of um, readers to, to seek out these authors who have been writing the whole time. We just don't publicize or know about them. Uh, so I think it's uh, a, an award like this should be taken as a motivating factor for people to go seek out other Indigenous authors and other Indigenous artists So because yeah. they're out there and they're very good. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So uh, a little bit more arts, can arts uh, news of 2017. Um you know, sadly, the writing and publishing communities lost several luminaries, uh, including Stuart McLean, creator and um, inventor, host, uh, extraordinaire of the Vinyl Cafe radio program books. Uh, we also lost Leonard Cohen, a man who needed, uh, yeah. you know, he needs no introduction, no, uh, no amount of words can go into what he's created uh, for Canada and the world. Um, we also lost um, novelists uh, Richard B. Wright. Uh, Bonnie Burnin, Nora McClintock, uh, and A.B. Bennett, uh, as well as the former publisher of um, McLennan and Stewart, Brownwood Books, uh, Sheila Berry. So, you know, these are big uh, kind of names, big authors, big publishers, big editors in Canada, uh, musicians, uh, no longer with us. Um, but the year did... Can I throw... Sorry, can I just throw ahead. one more name in yeah, there? It's... The one that really kind of hit me for some reason was Mr. Leahy from the trailer park boys he died this year as well and um he like his character on that show is how he lived his whole life he he was a raging alcoholic with a gambling addiction and um so on and so forth but um it just that one hurt for some reason because i know that he had his own personal struggles that went far beyond uh, the character that he represented on that show and for a lot of Canadians, Trailer Park Boys, uh, so it's kind of a big deal for us um, that we had this show that kind of broke out into America and became popular. So right. um, God rest your soul, Mr. Leahy. Yeah, and probably one of the biggest losses uh, of 2017. And uh, I don't think that we have fully felt the repercussions of this um, was um, what occurred on October 17th. And that was the passing of the Canadian singer-songwriter Ward Downey from uh, the front oh. man of the tragically hip. Absolutely. Um, but the year hasn't been all losses and controversies, Matt. Uh, you know, I mentioned Atwood earlier and the, any year in review from a Canadian needs to include something about Margaret Atwood. And I hope to hear more about Margaret Atwood going into the future 2018 and onward. But two of her novels, The Handmaid's Tale and Alias Grace were adapted into very successful TV shows. Um, by the by, you know, by the good works and good deeds of Sarah Poli. Uh again, someone to look out for. Uh, Margaret Atwood, obviously, That's but right. Sarah, Sarah Poli as well. Yeah, Sarah Poli is awesome. She's uh, she's been working hard for uh, for a couple of decades, man. And, yeah, um, yeah. I'm happy to see her really finally breaking out. Um, 
the the horror movie that she made a number of years ago called Splice was hands down the worst thing I've ever seen. So I'm glad yeah. that she's turned it around a little bit here. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> for those who are uh, podcast uh, aficionados uh, or who like consuming their arts through their ears, uh, 2017 also, uh, you know, was the year in which uh, Atwood, uh, you know, because she's going to be in everything we talk about, helped launch the Canadian arm of Audible. Uh, so Amazon's popular audio, oh, seriously, uh, yeah. audiobook platform. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the you know there's a there's a Canadian arm to it. Uh, I think it's uh, owned by Penguin Random House Canada right now. Um, okay. And uh, there are a list of Canadian titles on Audible now, um, and there will be more in the future, I believe. So all around, I think it's been a you know very fascinating year in the world of arts, and yeah. this coming on the back of uh, you know eight or nine, almost a decade of um, very austere times for the arts and questioning about the future of Canadian arts under our previous government. So there is a Mm. little bit of light uh, to how arts in Canada are funded, how we consume arts. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it easy there. Don't go uh, committing sociology, buddy. (laughs) Oh, that's so 2016, Matt. (laughs) That's awesome, man. All right. Speaking of arts, uh, speaking of audible books, podcasts, how about us? That happened in 2017. We started. We're news. It took us long enough, We're buddy. News. April, well, 20- news to us. April 2017 marked the first ever episode of Semi-Intellectual Musings, co-hosted by Phil Primo and Matt Sanderson. Uh, that's us. Uh, <laughs> um, Hi. <laughs> you know, we've, we, we've kind of talked about the origin story quite a bit. I don't know if we need to rehash it here, but one of the things I did want to say about it, Matt, uh, was I was reflecting, um, about how much this podcast has helped me on my journey to, uh, become a successful and by successful, I mean, finished, uh, PhD candidate, um, you know, it's quite astounding. You know, we get together, we do this thing over a mic, but uh, it helps my research. It helps my writing. And uh, that's one of the things that I am grateful for around. Yeah, totally. Um, for myself, uh, on the exact same lines there, um, I, I think I've kept it sort of like vague, but I'm no longer a grad student, right? I withdrew uh, for medical reasons in 2016, right? Um, I think in like June or something. Um, so for me, the podcast has been a way for me to get back into cognitive creativity um but also in a more serious level it's a therapy for me it's um i feel like this is going to help me stave off some neurological declines so i thank you for bringing my brain pill philip uh brain pills are always good uh you know i take uh, some pills once in a while when my back starts to hurt because we've been sitting so long doing this uh those pills are good too uh, but be careful about any other pills when you're out there partying tonight, folks. Um, <laughs> that's my word of advice. Uh, you know, 2017 for the podcast, Matt has been extraordinary personally, uh, friendship with you. Uh, but yeah. we've also made some friendships with some pretty amazing folks that, uh, I'd like to just kind of call out right now. You know, I'd like for to sure. shout out, Please do. let's do it. Uh, so the first, you know, in no particular order. All right. But, you know, I think the first show that we, became pod pals, uh, Skip and Josh. Amazing. Totally. You know, they've supported us from almost day one and, uh, you know, I've been really happy and glad to support them as well. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the second one, uh, Megan and RJ from Oh No Lit Class, you know, Oh No Lit Class. (laughs) Oh No Lit Class. 
<laughs> they've they again super supportive. Uh, they've been on our show. I think we're planning to go on their show. Um, now well, I do want to take a minute to to wish all the best to RJ, who's going through a little bit of a medical incident uh, right now. Yeah, uh, same here, man. Um, take care, buddy. Uh, yeah. I, I Phil filled me in on it a little bit. Uh, uh, pretty serious, and uh, we won't go into details, but uh, you just take care. Yeah. And uh, Megan, you take care of him. Yeah, okay? Megan, uh, look after RJ. We need his wits uh, sharp as ever. And, uh, you know, we, we want him to be able to take deep breaths uh, because <laughs> when he comes on our show, we're going to grill him. We want to know what it's like to do the lawyering day in, day out. Mm-hmm. You know, that hard stuff of lawyering that he does. I have no idea what he does. So we're going <laughs> to... We're going to have to, we're going to find out. Um, So the next uh, couple, uh, speaking of couples that, uh, you know, support us, we support them and uh, have a new podcast. Uh, Perry Lindsay Johnson from Hello Life, WTF and their podcast that's launching like, I think it's, it's already launched or it's launching soon, January, early January uh, pod stuff. Uh, Wow. You know, they are a wrecking ball. Stay tuned for them. They got a lot of energy. They're real dynamos. They are dynamos. <laughs> they got a lot of energy down there and they have that Southern hospitality that you just can't say no to. You know, when they call you and they're like, you know, hey, Matt, hey, Phil, want to chat y'all? And you're just like, ooh, yeah, let's do this. Of course I do. Yeah. yeah what else would I want to do with my time? Um, and uh, a little bit of a reveal. Um, in maybe a week or so on their their show, I'm going to start a recurring um, podcast recommendation segment. It's going to be called Maddie's Corner. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And Phil's really excited because now I'll stop recommending podcasts on our own uh, show. Well, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> you know, it gives you a nice space to do this, Matt. And I'm very happy and proud for you that you have uh, your cameo spot on uh, the Pod Stuff podcast. That's great. Yeah. yeah, totally. All right. The Curse of Silver Lake. For anyone who is a gamer, for anyone who enjoys collective storytelling, Wow. It was an interview and a half with Anthony von Dessauer. I had such a good time. You know, um, he has reignited in me this earning to play tabletop games. Yeah, totally. Same here, man. And like for me as somebody who's listened to podcasts for like like eight years, maybe let's just say um, it's one of the probably the one of the most creative things I've ever heard. Like I yep. it's hard to define it. I've never heard anything like it. It beats the hell out of any other DND podcast out there. It's more of a narrative uh, show that is based around the mechanics of DND um, done over the internet. It's so creative. That yep. interview was supposed to be like five, 10 minutes, like yep. a little segment yep. turned into an hour yep. just because the guy's awesome. He is awesome. And um, I, uh, yeah, he's, he's super supportive as well. I, uh, I really appreciate it, Anthony. Thank you. And uh, recently, Anthony has sent us some swag. So I'm going to be posting that up on our social media with this episode. So make sure to check out uh, some photos of the stuff that uh, Anthony, the creator of The Curse of Silver Lake, sent over to us. Uh, You're going to like it. And if you'd like to get some swag, uh, make sure to join his Patreon page. And speaking, speaking, Matt, of swag and, you know, shout outs and patrons and all this kind of stuff. The fine, fine fellows from Is Anyone There? Oh, that was my most favorite thing that we did, bro. This year, the, that October bonus episode of us escaping Ottawa during the zombie apocalypse, I loved it. It stayed on my phone, and I've listened to it a, like a ton of times. Yeah, so. yeah, I've listened to it at least five times all the way through. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, 
it's really fun having this creative outlet as the podcast. But when um, we sat down with Alex and Zach, uh, it was, you know, the collaboration just started right from the start. It was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, they were so easygoing, so nice to get along with. And they walked us through how they do their improv show. Um, and we got it. I think we understood the concept and they were nice enough uh, to do a crossover with us. So we have an episode on their feed. So make sure to check them out. Is anyone there 2012 on Twitter? Uh, you can check them out uh, on their podcatcher of choice as well as anyone there. And uh, then they came on and did a little thing with us on our feed. So, you know, uh, total stand up guys. Really stand up. It was up. just so much fun. Yeah. Just so much fun, bro. I know that took a ton of work and uh it did, yeah. Hands down, it was your finest work on the post production side. I'm I was very impressed. And lots of sound. I will effects, say it lots again. Of cool stuff going on. I'll say it again. Like it sounds like oh yeah, you just threw a couple of sound effects in there. It took Phil dozens of hours to put that thing together and I um it's my favorite thing that uh, I've ever heard. Um and I know it's a little self centered, but we we rocked it, man. Yeah, it was, was it, awesome. it was fun, and uh, <laughs> you know so you never know where um, collaborations and uh, friendships are going to come from, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I found out that uh, Alex is a phenomenal musician, so we were able yes. to play some of Alex's music uh, this year as well, which I'm proud. Yeah, to say amazing guitarist. Yeah, you know, amazing. Matt, we've been doing this thing, and I think we're going to continue it into the new year and onward. But uh, I think one of the changes to our programming is going to be focusing on some indie artists like we have today yeah. on Slammerkin. So I'm really, uh, I'm proud to be able to present Alex's work and showcase it and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, totally. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, now the last, uh, last, but very much not least, uh, because I think you have one as well after I go, but totally. uh, I appeared on, trust me, I'm a therapist. Um, amazing podcast, by the way, that everyone needs to check out. Um, it was a lot of fun to talk about the differences between Canada and the U S uh, talk about some differences, uh, po- politically, uh, but also mm-hmm. in the field of, uh, mental health and, and the field of therapy. Yeah. And academics as well. Academic research. We did. And yeah, 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 yeah. Did a little CFL NFL, uh, debate. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll settle it right now. Our league is better because our balls are bigger. That, Boom. uh, you know, that was the tagline. I said it, but I don't think they got it. That's okay. No, that's uh, it right. was a t-shirt is a CFL t-shirt and skip and Josh, if you are listening, uh, please, uh, you know, I'd love to get my hands on one of those t-shirts. I, I yeah, you know, totally. it, it could be a replica. I don't care. It doesn't need to be like a Gildan high quality shirt, but, uh, I'd love to get my hands on our, the, the tagline from the CFL from like what the nineties, I think our balls are bigger. Uh, amazing. <laughs> totally. And I'll just say that name of the podcast. Uh, trust me, I'm a therapist. Uh, I really like it just as a listener. Like, I really enjoy the, those guys, um, their show. And I got to say, man, you were so on point, like so clear and had such insightful things to say. I, uh, I actually listened to it a second time right away just because I know I missed a few things. And it wasn't overly complicated, but it was just very cogent, man. Like very, very on point. So I think on a content side, somehow that was like one of the best things you've ever done this year. So Yo, well, thank you. Um, you know, Justin and Herman yeah. made it really easy on me to be totally. honest with you. Like, uh, yeah, we, and I can tell they did it. The, the banter, the, the back and forth, like you guys were just on point, all of you. Yeah, so, so make sure to check that really out. Good. My interview yeah. with trust me, I'm a therapist. Now, Matt, you went on, uh, and did an interview with Rhett as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So Rhett Hall from uh, brain trust bros, uh, podcast network. Uh, <laughs> he was my very first, like, 
like where I was a guest on another show, um, zero prep going into it. He's just like, yeah, we'll just talk about stuff. And stuff. Uh, he's such a nice guy. He um, He's from, I think, uh, originally Alabama and then moved to Florida. He's in that where he lives now um, with his partner. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. We talked about uh, Canadian-U.S. differences. We um, He gave me a schooling on some college sports. It was... Uh, it was really cool because he made it really easy for me. I was super nervous to, to be on another show. As a longtime podcast listener, I was like, oh, no, what's this? how's this going to go down? But uh, he made it really easy, and he is one of our biggest supporters online as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Rhett Hall. And thank I you, Rhett. Um, implore everybody to check out his podcast network. There's a number of cool shows in there that people will enjoy. Um, but you and I were on another podcast, uh, The you Podcaster's know, Life with Alexander Lauren. There, exactly, Matt. Alexander Lauren, there comes a time in every podcaster's life uh, where they need to go on another show. Alexander was my first, uh, you know, uh, such a moment together. You know, we shared our intimacies. Uh, a moment a- like this, some people wait a lifetime to talk to alexander yeah he's yeah. awesome <laughs> thanks for that uh yeah no worries <laughs> uh you know we did this um, micro podcast at the end and he does it with some of his guests uh totally fun uh yeah. so we had to kind of ad lib uh uh around i think the theme that i got was potatoes and yeah. i think no it was feast the word that i yeah. got was feast and i turned it into yeah. a potato putsin loving thing the word that you got <laughs> was i believe frog yeah, green frog. Green frog. It was yeah. like uh, I pulled out by his like five year old or something. I was yeah. like, okay. And then I uh, I made a plea that Miss uh, um, Piggy actually should run for political office uh, oh, because she's not? real power. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> like you know, if anybody was going to um, oust a dictator in a democracy, it's going to be Miss Piggy. She knows what's up. <laughs> absolutely man yeah i'm just gonna say that so yeah. everyone um you know i implore you i suggest i strongly advise i want you to go check out uh the podcaster's coach uh alexander lauren uh he has um you know he offers coaching for podcasters uh so you can get your ideas up um and out there uh and uh, check out his podcast uh and support Life. him because he's so we're at him because he's very supportive of uh, indie podcasters. Like he's a podcast coach, but he's also just like a solid dude that uh, that is really supportive. So he deserves your support as well. Absolutely. He has this great, and you can find it on YouTube, but he was part of International Podcast Day, which was another thing that happened in 2017, but it's an international day. So it happens every year, but I'm just going to say it. And, uh, you know, so he went on there representing Canada. He's Canadian. Uh, and, uh, he finds, uh, you know, he talks about finding balance in podcasting in life. Uh, you know, so just check it out. I, uh, I strongly suggest everyone to do that. And ha- I think with that, Matt, we have done the rounds of, uh, what we did in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Do you wow. have, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Phil. Yeah. I'm sorry, but uh, I have a couple, but do you have any like resolutions, aspirations, um, predictions for 2018 that you'd like to share 2018 is going to be um you know i'm going to use the word uh, i'm going to kick some serious ass so Good for you, man. uh you know 2017 uh, the lighter part you know the 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 second half of 2017 i started <laughs> the engine was starting to go you know the caboose yeah. and the engine working together uh but right now matt like uh, watch out the wheels are flying off 
Uh, you know what, man? I feel the exact same way, bro. I've, I I have the exact same sentiment. Like 2018 is going to be like our year. We're going to freaking rock it, man. Yep. Going to yeah. rock it. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I hope everyone else is going to rock it as well. You know, we can yeah. all share in the success. There's, especially in the podcasting world, uh, there's a, a lot of room for a lot of voices. So let's all remember to be kind to each other as we're all in it together and uh, just rock the hell out of it. Just do yeah. it. Just, just rock it. it together. Yeah. Everybody. Um, <laughs> Matt, I'm going to leave you with a final word today. Uh, I got nothing, man. <laughs> rock it hard with everybody else. I, I got no other final words. <laughs> All right. As per normal as well. As That's per the normal. one that always gets me tagged up as well. Do you have any final thoughts there uh, that you'd like to pass on? Or well, we just, I'd like uh, to thank everyone who has been a listener, a contributor, a supporter of our show ah. uh, in 2017. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, doing it all again and more. Uh, you know, 2018, we're going to celebrate our one year. So that's going to be a milestone. It's going to be a huge event. I don't know what we're going to do, but there's definitely going to be some craft beer involved. Uh, at some point the snow will melt and it will be not minus 25. So we're going to get back out on the patio. Uh, and, uh, you know, 2018 is going, you know, I I have a good feeling about it. I have a good feeling about it, Matt. Good, some good stuff is going to happen. Okay. Here, I got a last word. Sorry. Um, thank you very much, Phil Primo for making this podcast possible, man. I have wanted to start a show for five, six years now. Um, but it wasn't until you just, pulled the trigger and started getting the stuff and just said, you know what, man, we're doing it. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the support you uh, have given to me uh, throughout this year and over the last seven years of our friendship, for sure. Well, Matt, come on. That's, uh, that's <laughs> I'm going to start a, crying yeah, like I did like, on the Gord Downey one. <laughs> yeah, what are we, like, we can't cry together right now. We're not in the same room. Well, I can't hug we're you. on the other sides of the uh, continent All right, from I'm each t- other. Virtual hug. I need a Phil hug, man. Virtual hug. There, there it is. I need to feel that beard against my cheek. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll save us here, Phil. Why don't you tell the good folks how they can reach us? Uh, you can reach us uh, on Twitter at the underscore S-I-M underscore P-O-D. We're on Facebook at The Simpod. You can email us at semi-intellectual at gmail.com. Uh, our website, including the archives to the show, is thesim.podbean.com. You can check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone as a new year's resolution to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher of choice and uh, leave us a rating and review, uh, preferably on iTunes or on our Facebook page, uh, going into 2018 with some fresh reviews. That would be awesome. A uh, little, uh, you know, shout out to everyone who's left us a review. And in our first uh, official 2018 episode, we were properly thank you. So stay tuned for that as well. If you've left us a review, Matt, we're going to uh, leave listeners with another song from Slammerkin, this time by the title Two Worlds. Uh, you can check out Slammerkin on Facebook at Slammer Kingdom. You can check them out on their website, slammerkin.com. They are also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Slammer Kingdom. They are also on Twitter at Slammer Kingdom, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, Lisa and Sam, thank you so much uh, for letting us use your music. Uh, you know, And if listeners... Uh, you could subscribe to them. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Uh, Matt, that's a wrap. That was it for 2017. Onward and upward, or upward and onward. And we'll talk to you all soon. Talk to you all soon.
sick.